Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. While Grid Beyond seeks to utilise clients' generation and storage assets to enhance their energy flexibility and to accelerate their transition to net zero. But how exactly are they doing this? Richard O'Loughlin from Grid Beyond joins us now to reveal all. Richard, before we discuss how Grid Beyond is helping clients to achieve this energy flexibility from their assets, I'd like to gain an insight into your own background. Hi, Carl. Thanks for having me on. My own background is uh, in finance, Carl. I trained as a chartered accountant and I suppose spent most of my time after that in corporate finance, working with scaling technology companies a lot of the time, really kind of helping them with equity and debt fundraising strategy and kind of doing outsourced kind of finance director type roles. And that's kind of what took me to, to Grid Beyond, really. So what is the concept behind Grid Beyond? Essentially, we're probably all aware these days of, of the energy transition that's going on. And Grid Beyond is, is trying to take advantage of that. And as the grid decarbonises, it creates problem for the grid operators like the likes of AirGrid in Ireland or the National Grid in the UK. Because renewable generation, by its nature, it's intermittent. So they have two main problems around peak demand, that they have enough generation to meet demand at peak and also balancing the grid, you know, as a large plant drops off, the frequency deviates quite quickly, and the grid operator needs flexibility, essentially, to, to fix those problems, and, and that's kind of where we come in. You can fix them by either increasing generation or reducing demand, and we basically start on the demand side. So we work with existing customers in industrial sectors, commercial sectors, where they have energy-intensive assets, and we find the flexibility in those assets. And we use that to provide a service to the grid operators like AirGrid, who then pay us for doing that. And we, we share that with the industrial and the commercial customers, bringing that flexibility to the, to the energy markets, essentially. So artificial intelligence and data science underpin the company's offering. But perhaps you can provide us with an insight into how AI is used by the business. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I suppose fundamentally it starts off with more basic things like automation of control of industrial assets and understanding the detail of, of various sectors and the, and the critical parameters in those, in those sectors like logistics and coal storage and glass and metals and mills, what flexibility is inherent in the, in the process itself. And where it becomes, um, the AI kind of comes in, it's more evolved uh, energy systems that have higher levels of renewable penetration. And the UK would be a good example of this, where there's different opportunities for that flexibility. And what we're trying to do really is, is use the AI to improve the forecast of, of those opportunities to re- really uh, make, make the optimum decisions as to what to do at any asset at a given point in time. So it's, it's taking in things like weather and power generation specs and grid systems and really trying to forecast how things are going to change. So when you were contacted by a potential client, what process do you bring them through? With the kind of industrial customers, like we really would take a holistic view of their own path to net zero. Like we, we look at the flexibility that they have on their site in, initially because potentially that's an opportunity for us to give them a revenue stream and that they don't already have by monetizing that flexibility into the various energy markets. But then we're looking at a kind of more holistic plan to net zero because we're looking at the most energy intensive assets on their sites. We have data and insight into those. We can look at how they compare to peers in terms of the efficiency of the energy use for the output that they're trying to do, depending on what the sector is. But we're also looking at, at their own path net zero across their site. So what's the carbon intensity of their business? You know, what's the physical layout of the site? Could they be bringing renewable generation onto their site or additional flexibility through things like, like batteries and 
is their own demand profile going to change with the electrification of transport and heat, like a lot of our customers would have fleets or will be electrifying industrial processes and things like that. So it's really across the board um, service to try and work with them on their path to net zero through the energy transition. And in terms of savings and efficiencies, what percentage are you adding value to? It can be of the order of 15 to 20% of their energy use, but it's, it's coming through all of the different things that, that, that you know, their energy bill ultimately, all, all of the different things that um, we are doing, they all have a part to play from the kind of flexibility monetization to the efficiencies and, and through bringing assets to, to the site as well. They all have a part to play in giving them, them that 15 to 20%. So it depends on how much of it each individual customer is doing. And from your experience, where is the low-hanging fruit for these businesses? We always start off with, with trying to bring that flexibility um, of, and make it of use to the system. So, so make the, uh, the site a good actor for the overall system in, in the uh, energy transition by bringing that flexibility to market. You know, in reducing demand on an industrial or commercial site is the same as increasing generation. So it can play a part in the overall uh, generation mix in the system. Uh, it's less carbon intensive to use existing demand for that rather than increasing generation. So that's the first first part really that they do that. That gives them the, the lowest hanging fruit. It gives them monetization of that flexibility and it gives them a revenue stream to try and do some of the other things. The company has a funded energy storage offering. What are the key features of this? So on, on, on the funded battery offering, essentially what we're typically bringing to an industrial site there is a lot of the time some resilience, that, that it can offer them resilience if they're having uh, issues with power quality on the site, um, which, which some sites can have, and, and different sectors have, have different levels of tolerance for this, so some really can't tolerate it at all, and they become very interested in the funded offering for that reason. There's also, I suppose, the overall CSR credentials of, of that asset can then be used to support the grid and, and reduce the carbon intensity of the grid itself. And the last one we have is, is the financial benefits. So we we monetize that asset into the market, that battery asset, the same way we would the demand flexibility, and we can then share some of that revenue with the um, end customer. And in response to the current energy crisis, Grid Beyond developed a hedging and trading product. But how exactly does this work? It's really about looking at the overall complete um, energy procurement of the site and, and, and trying to optimize that, doing some of the things I've talked to already around monetizing existing flexibility seeing as their potential to, to bring additional flexibility to the site, but also is the potential to put generation on site, and the generation in itself gives that customer uh, somewhat of a hedge depending on how much they can get onto the site on a roof or an adjacent piece of land. And if they haven't got scope for doing that, then we also work with um, distributed generation assets, renewable generation assets, where we give them route to the energy market, and, and we pair them up with our industrial customers um, and get, work on corporate PPAs to, to give them essentially a hedge on their energy procurement by buying the uh, generation directly from the, um, from the renewable producer. You also mentioned that one of the services that you can provide is benchmarking. So provide us with an insight into that in terms of how many within each sector that you're able to benchmark against and, and across how many markets. So we, we would do different types of things in the various industrial um, sectors that we're in. Like So they would be the largest you know, most energy-intensive sectors that you might expect, like things like a lot of things with refrigeration, food manufacturing, coal storage, metals, glass mills, those kind of things. Just to give you an example, like in, in cold storage, uh, to, to maybe make it more uh, real, we would look at, um, you know, cold storage um, refrigeration sites, you know, per metre cubed, how, how much energy are they using per metre cubed to, to, 
keep um, the cold storage below a particular temperature. And, and that's reasonably straightforward because we have many of them, you know, we'd have 50, 60 cold storage units across the UK and Ireland and some in the US that we could show them relative to their peers how they're performing. A sign of the success of any business is its international footprint. So what markets does Gridbeyond currently operate in? We've been operating well in the UK and Ireland for a number of years now, probably going back to 20, 2012. So um, we expanded into the US in 2020, and we're just at the moment in, in the process of... Um, so we have our first customers in the US, and we're just in the process at the moment of, of entering Australia and Japan. So the, the kind of markets that are most interesting to us are probably the ones that have very high levels of renewable penetration and volatile energy markets because they present greater opportunity for what we do, which is really uh, optimise the monetization of flexibility. The company recently secured a €6 million Euro debt financing facility from Claret Capital. Talk to us about this process and what it will mean for Grid beyond going forward. So it's really just uh, going to help us uh, continue with the interna- internationalisation of the business and, and, and continue to grow into those new markets that we're trying to enter at the moment. So that's the main kind of function of the facility. We're also, as we enter into those additional markets, we're continuing to evolve our overall platform in terms of our offering and continuing to kind of localise the service for what we do. So growing our development team and our IT team here in Ireland to support all those international markets. So the facility will enable us to keep doing that. And in terms of your growth plan over the next 12 months, what's in store? It's really starting to get uh, traction in those new markets is, is, is really, really important to us and start to secure first customers in Australia and Japan. But as I mentioned, the U.S. is broken up into, into a number of different markets. So we are currently in, in two of those um, deregulated markets within the U.S. in, in ERCOT and PJM. So we will be ERCOT being Texas and PJM being, you know, Pennsylvania, Jersey, Maryland, the east, lower east, east coast. So we will be expanding into another four of those um, U.S. deregulated markets over the course of the next 12 months and, and trying to continue to grow the business in terms of the markets we're in, but also the products we offer. And what's your outlook for the market in terms of pricing from an electricity and gas perspective over the next six to 12 months? I think fundamentally the prices in, in the market are somewhat driven by um, gas because the the main kind of plants in the Irish system are, are driven by gas, so they'll always be linked to the price of the commodity. So that is going to be a challenge, I suppose, when we still have the uncertainty that we do have uh, coming from, from Europe and we don't have um, gas storage in, in the Irish market or on the island of Ireland. So, so it is likely to be a, an ongoing challenge for the continued period over the next 12 to 18 months, I'd expect. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Richard O'Loughlin, the Chief Financial Officer with Grid Beyond, and we wish the business every continued success. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick.